Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and the knowledgeable knight, Sir Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. The WTF is home to all sorts of great stuff for you, and it's all free. Videos, blogs, lists, and of course, the Open Bell Podcast. Honestly, we're not sure why you would need any other source for your trumpet news, playing techniques, or anything else related to the trumpet. We have all the answers. And if we don't, we'll just make something up that is super believable, but most likely helpful. So head on over to www.worldtrumpetfederation.com today. And by the International Trumpet Guild. If you have not yet registered for the next International Trumpet Guild Conference, well, you're doing it wrong. This year's annual ITG conference is back in amazing San Antonio, Texas, and proves to be an amazing show. Now, if being in San Antonio on the Riverwalk isn't enough, the lineup of talent this year is incredible. Our good friend and ITG conference coordinator, J.C. Dobzhelevsky, is providing yet another stellar cast for ITG 2022. Over 80 artists, including Bria Skonberg, Carol Don Reinhardt, David Bilger, Friedemont Immer, and Hold On to Your Harmon Mutes, Ole Edvard Antonsen. Plus, the Army Brass Quintet, Navy Commodores, and others, including our own Joey Tartell, premiering a piece by yours truly. So, head on over to trumpetguild.org and register today. Did I mention Ole Edvard Antonsen in person? That's ITG 2022 in San Antonio, Texas, May 31 to June 4. We will see you there. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up a couple things, and no offense, we use these segments to know and need information that we believe is kind to trumpet kids as well as kings. Gentlemen, shall we? Each week, Warming Up is brought to you by Chop Saver, that perfect all-natural lip treatment created by the one and only Dandelion Gosling. Like <laughs> oh a my. field of golden flowers, Chop Saver <laughs> is there to make your life a little brighter, to let you bloom as a player and even make you feel pretty. Spring so has sprung. Go on over to ChopSaver.com and order yours today. And now a word from a man who is literally outstanding in his own field and likes it that way. <laughs> Brian? Well, I'm alone, so it's fine. Better. Wow. <laughs> Dan DeLion Gosling. Dan DeLion Gosling. Oh, he should start writing into the show about Dan only knew. his impressions. I He's not listening. I do send him things from time to time. <laughs> As well, we should. Yes. No, beautiful. So I thought about you guys this past weekend. It was Easter, not because of that, but because um, on uh, on Saturday night, I, I, you know, years ago, I decided to stop gigging and I was volunteering at my church to play. Um, Christmas and Easter. And so I was playing the Easter vigil at church. Um, the priest called and, uh, and said, Hey, would you, would you play? Um, we have a whole bunch of people volunteering. Would you just come and play? Um, and I said, sure. And I thought it was like a, a group thing. So I showed up early. Nobody's there. And so I, I, I asked him, I said, so, um, so what is it you want me to play? And he goes, Oh, that wasn't clear. I want you to play a solo. Everybody's doing solo things. I'm like, okay, so I'm about to do a, some sort of improv thing. Um, and uh, then I opened my case, and like any self-respecting trumpet player, in my case is my cornet. So, of course, I was oh like, my. oh, of course, that's what I'm going to play. <laughs> so I just played a solo on, on oh cornet, which made me think about you guys and how you, you would shake your head knowing that yeah. I played cornet. You showed yeah. up to an Easter gig with a 
cornet. Of course. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to say doing it wrong in enough languages <laughs> to communicate with you. <laughs> so so um so I, I played and I went back and sat down and there was a there was a piece a priest there who has um subbed for us on occasion and he was just there with his wife just attending and he looked over at me and said, "Man, that was beautiful trumpet playing." He said, "You don't often hear a sound that beautiful." Um he said, "In fact, I've never heard heard a trumpet sound that beautiful." I didn't yeah. correct him, but because it wasn't a trumpet sound, <laughs> it wasn't a trumpet yeah, sound. That's why. That's yeah, why. I didn't Which correct him. Of course, it. yeah, yeah. Oh, we try and teach the masses here. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Brian just don't, Brian I don't just, know what to do with you. I just sat down and just giggled. <laughs> Brian just set us back fifty episodes. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we're gonna have to start this podcast all over. <laughs> Episode one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hi, Joey. What do you have for us today? Well, I was actually going to talk about the weekend as well. As uh, there's a place I normally play on Easter uh, up in Indianapolis, one of these big giant. It's a big giant church, so it's a, kind of a fun place to play. Big organ. We're in the back in the loft. But the night before, uh, on Saturday night, uh, maybe this goes to versatility and, and being prepared for things, which we talk about a lot here. Uh, I was playing with Steve Ali's big band. Steve Ali uh, normally runs his big band at the beginning of April. We commemorate the opening of the Jazz Kitchen. Steve's son uh, right. uh, owns the Jazz Kitchen, and Steve's band opened it. So every year, usually around the first of April, well, it got bumped a couple of weeks this year. So we were on, you know, the Saturday night before Easter. So we came in, and Steve's retired now. Been writing a bunch of new charts. So we came in and did a rehearsal, did a two-hour rehearsal, and then we did uh, our first ninety-minute set, which was a little more than ninety minutes. And then we took a little break, and then did another slightly longer than 90 minutes set wow so, so there's a lot of playing on saturday yeah. and i was playing lead in the band now immediately to my right was our very good friend dr scott belk ah dr belk yes. let me report on dr scott belk's playing <laughs> he sounded just terrific some new Shocking. music there and some mm. nice really up tempo improvisation stuff for him that he just killed it was really it, nice. was, it was great sitting next to him he sounded dynamite um so then, you know, wake up the next morning, roll right in and uh, do a, a little short rehearsal. We did a rehearsal earlier in the week and it's time to play Easter, at which in normally what happens at the end of the Easter service, you're playing Hallelujah Chorus and you're playing yep. on piccolo. Yep. I don't know if we, I've ever shared my good Easter trick on, on this show. I, maybe I should demonstrate, make a little video of this. But Do you, uh, uh, do, you do it on cornet? That no, that would be very wrong. But the middle of the sound great on chorus, that. you know, where you play in unison with the the sopranos, ding, yes. da, 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 dum, bum, and all the way through that whole line. All the way through that, yeah. I do that all in one as breath. In, as in G's and A's. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Now, so I was playing with a good friend of mine, Lenny Foy. You guys know Lenny, and it's the first time we ever played Easter together, so I kind of leaned over every time everybody breathes, and he just started laughing. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good Easter trick. But also, you know, you want to be prepared. If I want to do more than one thing, I think lots of people might think, Wow, you know, a two-hour rehearsal and two hour and a half long sets of playing lead. And the last thing you want to do is wake up and play piccolo you know, in the morning. Piccolo in the morning. I don't know. I had a pretty good time doing it. So that's uh, fun. It was. A, it was. A, it was a very good weekend, and I can report that uh, Dr. Scott Belk is alive and well and playing great, which was very it. fun. Always fun to get to play with Scott and play with Steve's band. So it was very cool. That's so awesome. Bill, what do you got for us this morning? Well, I was going to talk about Easter too, just because how cool was it to be back and have everyone gigging again. You know, and I was playing in Nebraska Quintet at Market Square Church in Harrisburg, which was outstanding. It was great fun. Organist there is incredible. Uh, and, of course, ends the service after Hallelujah, of course, with a V-Door Toccata, which a lot oh, yeah. of organists do. Sure. But this guy, like, I, it was one of those performances where I had heard things that I never heard before. In the oh, case. yeah. You know, like, just really exquisite playing. But I really want to talk about that 
Um, of course not. <laughs> See, I was ready for it this week. I know that's I know not, you, you don't want to talk about the Vito no, Picado on I mean, Oregon. Got, no, Who wants guys, to talk about that? You guys already talked about Easter yeah. and ruining it with cornets and lead playing and whatever else. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I am, uh, I've got, uh, this is the week we're doing uh, at least portions of this new Raganese Concerto. All Friday right. Night. We're right. doing a couple new segments piece. of that. New piece. So we're doing that Friday night. And then Saturday, I'm off to IUP for the weekend. Uh, to play with an alumni jazz band and to solo with uh, the college jazz ensemble there. All right. Now, this is Kevin's last year, this right? This is, is the big hurrah. Yeah, this is his last jazz thing, alumni weekend and all that. So, um, Excellent. Who, el- who else is coming out? Are they, do you know people? Or are oh, a yeah. Lot of, a like lot of your uh, old people? Some of our fans from the, you know, the Open Bell are going to be there and some friends I have not seen <laughs> in a lot of years, so it's going to be great. And I'm doing, uh, I'm doing. So he's got some alum. Our friend Josh Hillard, who follows the show, Josh, of course, is solo Josh, friend, yeah. friend, of the sh- friend of the show, friend of the show. Uh, he's going to do some real stuff. I'm going to do a flugelhorn ballad because that's I'm going to be Shocking. safe there, right? Yeah, that's the, just shock. Uh, Brian, you're shocked. The second movement of a suite, it, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do so, big band charts have have middle movements? Is that a thing? Yeah, this would be it. This is the equivalent. So I had this great moment yesterday because you know, like I'll, I'll play, I'll play the jazz a little, but I'm very realistic about what I do with that. But it is a ballad, so I'm finding my way let me, around. Let me just interrupt you here and say, when you say the jazz, yeah. you, you just lost all uh, all <laughs> credibility. It's like I, it's like saying the Facebook or the Walmart. What? But I did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So I think that makes it sure better. So anyway, <laughs> it was a nod to JC. Um, <laughs> That's the Zabadu. <laughs> the Zabadu. So anyway, you guys know Kirk Reese, our our jazz improv guy, yeah. pianist. So I come in and I just play through it with him, and I'm like, any advice? Yeah, you should. You, know, you could do this here, and you could think about that there, and it was the usual stuff, and it was all really helpful. And he goes, he goes, but you know, man, with a sound like that, it doesn't really matter if you play a lot of wrong notes. <laughs> okay, that was a really cool thing to say. That's it's really nice. It's, it's so true. If you're playing, if you're playing great and convincingly, you can convince people that's exactly what I meant to do. Exactly. <laughs> good work. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's it's good. Too funny though. That's you know. really good. That sounds like a nice trip. It's going to be great. It should be really cool. Absolutely. All right, boys. Uh, a little game today. We've not done this in a minute, and I thought we should go back to two truths and a lie. Oh you yes. Know, I, I warned you about this because yeah. I wanted you to. You know, obviously, we have to prepare for this one. So yeah. I say we go in. Let's go All in. Right. And Brian, do your thing. So I do. I do all three first. Yeah, you give us yes. all three. All right, this and then we're going to guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, I couldn't remember way around around the circle mm, in each one. Right. So oh, here we go. Okay. So um, you know lot. that in. Um, <laughs> That's true. Um, so you know that uh, in in college I was an athlete, and um, oh, as no an athlete I oh, no. I lifted a lot. To, are we going to college baseball stories? Right. You no, guys it, are so full of crap in this game. Won't be a baseball. Um, and I, as such, I lifted a lot of weights, and I was also a football player in high school. Um, mm. So I lifted a lot. So um, just you just have to guess on this. Um, in college, I could bench press two hundred sixty five pounds, and I could squat three hundred and fifty pounds, fifteen pounds. Give Joy a second to write that in. Yeah, I'm writing it down too. That is exactly what I'm doing. I'm writing. It. You said okay. you're benching 265 and you're ben- squatting 315. 315. Yep. That's that's your story number one. That's story number one. Yep. Yeah. See these obscure things because if it's <laughs> this is I, you guys are playing this game wrong. We'll come back to that. Okay. So you, can, you can you can bench two Scots and squat <laughs> one Joey. Squat <laughs> <Not> a Joey. 
But, uh, that wasn't I, would, nice. I don't know how do you think I got down to three fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom is Zoom is slimming. That's right. <laughs> right. All right. So, um, second story. Um, so you know that a few years, a couple of years ago, um, Sarah and Kate and I rode our bikes from uh, Pittsburgh to, uh, sorry, from DC to Pittsburgh. Right. right. Camped out, did Airbnbs, and and um, and made that trip. Uh, and but you probably didn't know that in college, I also did a bike trip in Southern Arizona, um, riding every day for about a week, just over a week. Um, and the highlights were time spent in Bisbee in the town of Tombstone Stone, and at the Sonora Desert Museum. Hmm. Okay. All right. Ready that's for the last it? one? Yep, that's it. Yeah. Did I do that bike trip too? Okay. Um, last one. Um, did you know that, I mean, you know that I'm terrible at spelling, um, but you did you also know that I'm also, I have been in my past a terrible writer. So bad that in my doctorate, um, I was writing one of my papers and um, I sent in a, a preliminary draft and Pete wrote back. That is the worst thing he re- he had ever read. Uh, it was terribly <laughs> written and it was total academic BS. Um, and so I spent the next two hours after receiving the email, next two hours rewriting just the first two pages. And I sent it back to him and he wrote back, this is excellent. Writing's hard work, ain't it? Mm. And that recently someone, mm-hmm. someone complimented my writing, academic writing, very recently. So those are my three, three stories, two truths and a lie. I don't believe any of these stories. <laughs> Let me be clear about this. Um, all right. What, we get we to, could ask we, questions. We, we get some questions, right? Right. Okay, go ahead. All right. How long was the Arizona thing? It was uh, just over a week. Every day on a bike for a week? Yeah. Why were you in Arizona? Uh, just a trip. So you flew out there with the bikes? Flew out, flew out with bikes. Yep. And then you flew back with the bikes. And flew back with the bikes. Yep. Who were you with? My parents. Uh, Stephen Bale Weinberg. Stephen. Yep. We were on the bikes. Patron Saint. Mom drove the sag wagon. All right. So uh, the paper you were writing, what what were you writing about? (laughs) It was a theory paper my college roommate wrote. did some uh, compositions for a lecture recital for me. And I was writing a paper and analysis, theoretical analysis of the works. What for? For a lecture recital. Oh, you were writing the analysis for the lecture recital. For the lecture recital, yeah. I was presenting these new works. Okay. Why, why, couldn't, why couldn't you bench all the way to 300? <laughs> you know, I'm only 5'9", and weigh about 200 pounds, right? <laughs> Yeah. Bill, you got questions? I don't think I have any questions. I think I'm just going to go with the, I'm going to roll the dice here and go with the, like, I know Brian's pretty strong. I think I'm going to go with one. Is the you, don't, you don't think he could bench 265? Not now. No, but then. No, then. I mean, it's possible. He's pretty strong. He is pretty strong. We're talking, about college, we're talking about college, you know, yeah. college athlete Brian. Yeah. Working out. Doing mm-hmm. stuff. I think I'm I don't still know. Go with number one. I'm bothered by all of these. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, the, see. I think he could squat 315. That that doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. 265 for a bench is that's 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 working. That's it's good. Pretty specific. 
Yeah, but it is a specific. But that's Which the good part make of a lot. Go either way. Yeah. yeah. But right. he's flying out to Arizona with his parents just to go ride bikes. That sounds weird. That does not sound weird to me at all. <laughs> okay, so let's go into Durango next week. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you think you think the writing thing? You think you're just in on that, Bill? You think that's just good? Uh, I mean, you've gotten emails from Brian before. <laughs> <laughs> now here's the thing: if that's the lie, that's a good lie because I do think Pete would go right in like that. No, that is like a good Pete would lie. just go right after him and yeah. say, "No, terrible." Yeah. Right, get to work, do this right, and get back to me. Like yeah. I, that part of it—that's the part that rings true, even that's if the story's for a Pete. lie. Yeah, right. That's a that's <laughs> mm-hmm. a good Pete. Like he's just not. There's no. There's going to be no BS with Pete. He's going to no, like, no, no that's margin. terrible. Go redo yeah. it. Yeah, no margin. <laughs> I'm still going to take a chance here and go with number one. I'm going number two. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I can't. I've never been able to bend to to squat three fifteen. Yes. Oh, come on. No, nope. yes. I, I could squat two ninety five. I never got the forty fives on the the second set of the third set of forty fives on the oh, outside. If I'd known you back then, I could have helped. I could bench press two sixty five. I did do that. See, but that's I, the thing. I could not squat. Yeah, that those much kinds weight. of lies are ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So Pete did. He went all in. I believe my it. paper. I wrote this paper. <laughs> I mean, it took me weeks to do, and I and I was a preliminary draft. And I sent it in. He was like, "Oh my god!" And right. just yeah. And it did take me two. I did first two pages, two hours of work, and he was like, "Yeah, this is what you need to do." Um, See, and I did do the trip with mm-hmm. my parents. We 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 flew to Phoenix with That's the crazy. bikes um, in bike boxes. Yeah. And uh, it was part of a in winter term at Oberlin. You're supposed to do some sort of project and um, you could get basically anything approved. Um, and uh, one year I just asked a English prof if he'd sponsored me just keeping a journal and submitting a paper. And uh, so I did. I just sort of told a story about the, the week long trip. And so dad and I trained for a month and then we then we went out to uh, to Arizona. It was great. It's amazing. Cool. Bisbee's an amazing town. If you ever get to Bisbee, Arizona. Oh, hmm. Who hasn't been to Bisbee? Come on. Yeah, yeah please. That's where it all happens. <laughs> and I want to say, Brian, I, I don't I was not doubting your bench press numbers, but <laughs> right? you have some skinny bird legs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I Brian, do skip leg day. Brian's been skipping leg day. I do skip leg day, day for, for fifty years. <laughs> yeah. Ferda. I hate leg day. <laughs> skipping leg day, Ferda. Ferda. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow all right joey what do you have for us all well right, i decided go. to go in as i like to keep this relatively you know career or trumpet related <laughs> i am going to go with the two truths and a lie mouthpiece edition oh, oh wow nice. okay all right are you prepared mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna throw some numbers at you and some mouthpieces at you okay. now this has all been right in front of you the whole time so let's see if you guys can pay attention <laughs> so I think sometimes people will look and say, I wonder how, how equipment geeky these people are. Mm. And mm. I have been fairly stable in my mouthpiece usage. Yes. For example, on my E-flat trumpet, I have been playing the same mouthpiece for about 20 years. On my piccolo trumpet, I have been playing the same mouthpiece for 30 years. And there is a lead piece. There are two pieces I use for lead, but one of them I have been using for 40 years. Those are my three stories. Those are the three lies. Those are the three stories. Those, Those are, the are the three stories. stories. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm gonna make it easy on you people. Now, when you say you're using the same mouthpiece, the exact same one, not a copy of it or redone, resilvered. No, it's the same. It's the same piece. The same mouthpiece. Well, the lead one 
uh, for 40 years isn't i had to replace it but it's the exact uh same it, numbers it's the right. same it's and the I same do, thing. i do remember that that okay. thing i think i know where right where i'm going with this brian so any questions anything you want to ask i'm happy to answer any and or all questions so is the piccolo piece the one that you got after college after you auditioned on brandenburg well 30 years ago was right when i left yeah. the army so but, i was what I, yeah. I was switching uh, from a cornet shank at that point. I had used uh, my teacher's piccolo in high school, and then I got, uh, uh, my grandmother bought me a Schilke piccolo for college graduation. Right. So it wasn't until after that that I went back to a different, uh, I went back to the trumpet shank after that. Okay. I think the bigger question is, do you really like the way you sound on all these? <laughs> Show up at ITG. My recital at ITG this year is seven horns in 60 minutes. That's right. And I will be doing a world premiere of a new unaccompanied suite by our yes. own Dr. William Stillman. Using three of those horns. That's right. B-flat, flugel, and bass trumpet. Yes. And I'm all three movements are are linked. They will be, yes, it's it's going to be straight through, all the way through. No break. No breaks. As I switch horns. Breaks it's going to be right fantastic. Out. Yeah. Segway. Yeah. Like a big segue. I'm going to go with, uh, I think you're lying about the E-flat trumpet mouthpiece. I think that sense of tweaking. I think the other two you've been settled on for a long time, in particular the lead one. I'm going to say E-flat's the dark horse. I, yeah, after the questions, I think I think I'm really going to go with E flat as well. Twenty years on the E flat, I think you've messed around with that. Yeah. Oh my God, you guys have been paying attention. You're yes. exactly right. Oh <laughs> yes. There is a mouthpiece I tried to know. It's 15 years old, and it was a, a Meister Hablowitz H2 that mm -hmm. I then just well borrowed, uh, long term borrowed. Now that that did get stolen, but then Vince actually found it and replaced it when he was over. And he came back. He's like, "Yeah, I got it. Look at this." <laughs> right back and handed wow. me one. And I've and I still use it. Um, yeah, the wow, pick piece. Once amazing. I switched back to a trumpet shank, I've been playing the same three CW on that for thirty years. But the E flat piece was something. Do I use what I use on B flat C? Do I use something closer <laughs> to pick? Do I mean to? And finally, when I went up, when I've been uh, since I met Carl Hammond, uh, I have settled in. Uh, on a on a piece I love on E flat, but that is much more recent than that. So good work, mm -hmm. gentlemen. Which, good which work one, on your part. Which one is that? It's a five ML. I just use a Hammond five ML. I use that yeah. on E flat. It's a it really works. It's that in between. Sure. Uh, it really sits great for me wow, on E flat. But that did take e that did take a while. Using a five on the E flat. Well, Hammond's five. Yeah. Yeah. This explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, it does. All right, well done, gentlemen. I thought you might be good on that because hey, wow, we, we play together an awful lot. But I just right. want to say I'm I'm two for I'm two for two. You are all right. So you you have won today. I may have won today. But yeah. uh, Brian could still go two for two. Brian could. He yeah. could get this right. This should but be you're about easy. to tell us some some like ten minute story where no. one micro detail. <laughs> no. <is wrong. laughs> no, I'm not. I'm. I made it pretty easy today. Like Brian's right. going. Yeah, I couldn't bench two sixty five. I could bench two sixty. <laughs> so. And speak. Of, Brian's the one that tells the ten minute stories. All right, here you go. As you know, I love bikes. In fact, I always have. My parents got my first bike from a relative used because that, of course, fit into the budget. But I earned my first new bike by going door-to-door -door selling all-occasion greeting cards. That's how I earned my first bike. My new bike. What? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh -huh. 
Number two. Oh, oh my God. I have so many questions, and we're just on number one. Number two. Wow. Okay. My first trumpet was a $60 Olds Ambassador that my parents found through an ad in the newspaper. True story, because, again, that fit the budget. My first new horn was actually a King Cleveland 600, and the very first time I used that horn in marching band, the first week I had it, it fell through the bleachers and got dented. <laughs> new horn dented on first day. Okay. Number three. I know we talk a lot about music stuff, but we don't too, talk too much about academics, and I'm pretty sure we have not talked about this, because I don't, but I was salutatorian in my high school graduating class. Oh, my. Really? All right, those are your stories. Those are my stories. Okay. This is a game called Where's the Hyperbole? <laughs> I wow. know when I know when I know when the Super Bowl is, but the Hyper Bowl, <laughs> the Hyper Bowl. <laughs> it's much more fast moving, I think. All right, so wow, all occasion greeting cards. Mm-hmm. How old were you? Uh, twelve. You didn't get your first new bike until you were twelve years old. That's right. How much does a greeting cards cost? Oh gosh, like they were like three bucks a box. Three three fifty a box. Little just, you know, standardized box with all the different seasons and stuff in there. Well, how many came in a box? Oh, I think like twenty four. Holy crap. Um, okay, salutatorian. What what so what happened there? How was that chosen? Oh, just uh well, academic standing, right? Like your grades, and then plus they factored in a whole bunch of other stuff too. In those days, so it was like I was in theater, I was in band, I was in chorus, I was in marching band, you know, all those things. And so, what did what did that mean? What did you do at that point? What do you mean? Like it did it was that... just like award. It's like getting the John Philip Sousa Band Award. It's like oh, we looked at all the statistics and all the data, and you're it. You didn't get a card or points or anything like that. No, it was Is like it? a certificate. So okay. points all Probably added hanging up. Hanging in my mom's house somewhere. There's points, but no card. I think I, the Cle- the King Cleveland isn't that true? Haven't we heard? Wasn't that his first new horn? Didn't I, we heard that before? I it rings a bell. That rings and a I, bell. Right? I believe he dropped it in the first. Well, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. totally. First day out. I always need a good repair person. <laughs> <laughs> Should have one travel with me. All right. Uh, all of these sound like lies to me. Um, Bill's very good. Bill's a good liar. That's Come a, on. Bill's a, Bill's a very good liar. He's a great salesman. <laughs> he really is. Great salesman. <laughs> All right, so so Brian, do you have thoughts yet? Because I have salutatorian. That's just grade point average. I think it was just grade point average then. But not that, only that, usually that means you give a speech at graduation, and he didn't say you gave one of those. I said, "What does that involve?" And he said, "Just a certificate." Usually, that's the closing speech. Oh, I thought the you valedictorian, the, the no, selection, but the, the valedictorian, valedictorian gives the opening. Valed- yeah, the, no, valedictorian at the beginning, sal- salutatorian at the end. Except this salutatorian played a trumpet solo instead. I just asked you, and you said you didn't. I said, no, what's involved? Said, what is involved mm. with getting it, earning it? That's what I thought you meant. Mm. See, now this is see now you're lying about the lying. No, you didn't ask me He's that. Good. I answered what the question you, you asked. You said, no, what's you invo- didn't, not fully. Well, but I, why, I didn't think about, you, like, in other words, how do you earn it is what I thought you meant. No, I said, what's involved in that? Well, the whole thing. What do you think, Brian? I I, th- I think it's the salutatorian thing. We've not spoken about this before, though. So we haven't spoken about the greeting cards either. But boy, no, that that's, sounds, that, that sounds, sounds like it would actually happen. That sounds terrible, though. I, I, I believe it. Though. If it's true, I love it. But it's how much so ridiculous. Have, how much did you have to raise? Oh my gosh, it was a lot. Like I had to sell a lot of those things. 
like I think a couple of rounds of them. You know what I mean? Like you get them from the company and then you'd sell them and then you had to order more and get more because it was a it was a five speed bike. So it was even at the time was, you know, I don't remember how much it was, but it was a fair amount of money. Five speed. Yeah. Yellow five speed banana bike. Yeah, I'm buying that. All right, I'll go with you. I don't think you were salutatorian. God, there's yeah. no way I was salutatorian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are you kidding All me? Right. <laughs> so you and Brian tied then. Brian also yeah. went two oh for two. Gosh. All right. Good yeah, for I, you guys. Right right over the plate today. There's no <laughs> way. I can't believe you even entertained that idea. <laughs> we did. You sold it well. Well, for, I, I'll tell you, in my on. high school, when they were doing, uh, when they were doing valedictorian, they actually said, okay, everybody who's over this line academically is eligible, and then we had to apply. Oh wow. oh, wow. And I went, oh, I'm not applying for that. I don't care about that. I... So I just didn't bother. But it wasn't just a straight who had the best GPA, which I really? think a lot of schools did. They yeah. said anybody, it was, uh, if I remember this correctly, anybody in the top 5% of the class academically was eligible. And I was over that line. And they said, then you can like apply and you like write a paper and do this thing. And then we're going to have like an interview round. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really care about yeah. this. In any not way. doing that. So yeah. I just didn't bother. Yeah. I would never know much about that because I would never would have been in that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, boys, time for a couple of things. In order to be the best trumpet player you can be, you must find, uh, you got to be co the most comprehensive musician you can be. You got to find a way to do that. And that means informing yourself about all things music, including history, theory, ear training, and yes, even conducting. But here's the thing <laughs> while those classes can Wagger. help your trumpet playing, <laughs> we firmly believe that your trumpet playing can help those classes. So this episode is devoted to talking about enhancing your other studies by using your trumpet playing abilities and experience. Let's talk about some trumpet cross training. This is huge. I I heard so much. If I can just start with this. When I got to college, I started hearing about how, well, if you, you've really got to know this theory, and it's going to help you play better. And if you, once you learn the music history, then you're going to know how to play better. And I don't think, I, I thought I might have been cheating a little bit by going the other direction. Because what I already <laughs> knew was how to play trumpet a bit. So then why not use that to help with theory and history and everything else, mm -hmm. right? which is what we're talking about here. Right. It seemed so obvious at the time, but I, we don't hear this a lot as we were discussing like what mm -hmm. to do with like you brought up this topic. I'm like, right, we have to talk about this because I think so. we so much hear the other direction. Yeah. So I don't know where you want to start. Well, I, I made categories. So I, I thought how it impacts well, how we can use it in history, how we can use it in theory, then ear training and conducting, but we can do it however you want. I mean, sure. Can we go, can we go with ear training first? Sure. Cause this like is it. what, this is what, this uh, is my favorite part. Well, this is where I started. Cause I, I think I've talked about this here before and you guys, we've talked about this, you know, I, I walked into my first ear training class in college and the teacher walked in and said, everybody sing an A and I started laughing and everybody sang an A and I thought, Oh no. <laughs> the rest of the class sang an A. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Uh -oh. yes. yeah. <laughs> I thought I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble here. And you know, where I went to college, there were a disproportionate number of people with perfect pitch and had uh, already been to a lot of, you know, uh, academies and summer festivals and performing arts high schools. And I thought, Oh no, what do I do? <laughs> so when we would get these things, what made the most sense is you would go in and some people would say, well, you plunk these out on the piano. And my piano skills were also terrible. <laughs> so in trying to learn ear training, why would I be fighting an instrument that I can't play when there's an instrument I already know how to play? Right. Mm -hmm. 
So either yeah. take a B flat trumpet and transpose, or just take a C trumpet out. Oh, I have to learn this ear training. This is something I'm going to have to sing. All right, what if I play it first? Because I will tell you, the first time I heard somebody say to me, well, if you can't sing it, you can't play it. You have to be able to sing it to play it. And I thought, well, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't sing any of this stuff. I can right. play all of it, mm-hmm. right? So the idea of learning how to do that and having your strength is a great idea. But So I, I did exactly the opposite of that, where I brought my trumpet in the room, in the practice room, put the ear training material up, and if we had to sing these certain lines, mm-hmm. played them through. Yep. And sang them afterwards. Learn the, the other system. way. I yeah. already know how to play trumpet. Let's inform. Right. Let's train my ears using the trumpet. So here's here's my cheat on this. In fact, I've I've done some research on this and have done a couple presentations on this. I call it kinesthetic referencing. So you're looking at a melody, right? And you probably catch yourself doing it anyway. If you're sight singing a melody, the and you're fingers. moving your fingers. There, there it is. is a reference there, and yep. it will help you lock in and hear pitches and intervals by doing it that way. And to take it one step further, I think that for as trumpet players, brass players in general, we have some advantages. If that melody happens to contain overtone series intervals, open yeah. fourths and fifths, which we, which to a clarinet player would look, there's no help there whatsoever. However, like if a clarinet player looked at something that had the interval of a 12th in it, okay, that's, they'd be able to hear that better than we do because their instrument is based on that that's a thing that happens. With punch them. that button. They have a lot yeah. of, right, punch the which button is, you get a 12. Which is why the clarinet is wrong. It's completely wrong. Yeah. Completely wrong. Yeah. The clarinet, terrible. Right. And, and the instrument itself, but the people who choose it, I think, is what I'm really talking about. That oh, yeah. too. Yeah. At any rate, we have some things built in like the overtone series and the ability to kinesthetically reference things that help. Don't overlook those. It's okay to move your fingers while you're in class doing that. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Some oral memory there, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to do it. Right, so that's good for ear training. What do you that's do for chords in ear training? Then well, you have to go to the keyboard. You have to go to the Arvin book and think about all your, your oh. <laughs> sevens. Even better. All those you know, arpeggios no, and stuff. I would play up and down the chords. Because yeah. when we got to, and yeah. when we're talking about ear training, and you know, uh, <laughs> for those of you who haven't been to this part yet, Music theory and ear training will get to a point where they will play you a, a like a four-part dictation, and you're supposed to take down all four parts. And boy, the first couple of times, like, okay, I can definitely hear the top part. And this is my lead trumpet showing. <laughs> yes. Like, I can pick out that top part, piece of cake, got it, first time through. Okay, I can hear the bass notes. What's going on in the middle? No idea. No idea. So, actually, in playing chords, playing up and down the chords on the horn as well. Yeah. Or, you know, and if you can, you know, sit at a piano, you know, push down the right pedal, put that chord and play the, still play up and down that chord so you can really isolate those inner parts. Like if you're playing, you know, you know, a C major chord and, you know, sit there and play the G on your C trumpet. So you're going like, that's where that note is. Where's the E? That's where that note is. Because I can pick out the outsides, but being able to pick out the insides, still have your horn in your hand, play through the middle parts. If you have a chorale, you know, a four-part chorale up there. And you could essentially play a chord, play the middle note, play the next chord, play the middle note is still a good way to do that. Or grab three friends. Grab, you know, two trumpet players, two trombone players, or, you know, uh, anybody who can play bass clef and say, okay. And then, you know, I think a lot of people who get to college, especially successful players, have been playing a lot of first parts. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know I was one of those players because I was a good high school player, so I played first parts. That happens to lots of us, right? Yep. Yeah, of course. So you get to college, and I could not hear those inner parts. So get a friend and say, I need you to play first in this chorale and play the middle parts of the chorale. Right. Play that inner part of those chords. So even when learning chords, you want to use your horn to go, I know where that inner line is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, man, I had this brutal ear training experience. It was a conducting class. Go ahead. Wagger. <laughs> Wagger. Uh, at yep. North Texas. And Dennis Fisher was teaching there. And what he would do is you'd go through the score and he would, you would have to solfege. He would give you like while you're in the middle of singing the first four bars, he'd tell you what part you were going to jump to. Oh, no. And then you oh. jump and have to solfege that part, of course, in the right key for that instrument and so on. And, man, amazing practice in order to do that. That's brutal, yeah. But we, but we do have, look, you got to go with what works for you, right? You're used to the way the trumpet sounds. You, we use the overtone series all the time. We have that reference there. you got to use that. It's and you already go know how to ways. play that instrument. Exactly. Got to yeah. go both ways. It's easy to add to that by putting the solfege syllables on top of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Something to link to. Cool. Well, we just solved everyone's ear training woes. <laughs> Seriously. Probably not everyone's. That's a great place to start. Start with because yes. uh, ear training can be overwhelming, especially if you don't know how to play piano and especially if you're tentative about singing. So start with what you do know. You know yeah. how to play trumpet. Yeah. Use mm-hmm. it. Use it. Yeah, the ear training thing is so frustrating because I think it's it's not taught all that well. You know, it's like, well, well different this places, is, this is yeah. different places. But I'm saying like, well, this is what it is. You just got to figure it out. You know, my theory teacher at North Texas had the, had the same Eastman experience, Joey. And she yeah. got there and said, OK, uh, four part dictation. And uh, the instructor just starts to play. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. say what key we're in or anything. <laughs> and she's right. like, uh, uh, hang on. <laughs> I'm, I'm the <laughs> one mortal in the room. Um, <laughs> hold, on, hold on just a sec. <laughs> you know, Um but that is also where I learned about this this idea of this one seven line where you sing do like all the chords either contain one or seven the whole way through and then it tells you what quality they are and then you can kind of right <laughs> between tonic and logic you can figure out what all the <laughs> what all the chords are and fill in the gaps. Wow! So there are tricks. There definitely are tricks to doing it. Oh, there are absolutely tricks. This is why actually I I always started when I first was doing this with the soprano line because it's what I could hear best. Right. It's not the best place to start. The best place to start is the the baseline. Yeah. But that was the one I could do, so I just copied that down. If you can start with the baseline, a lot of times that is also going to give you really good ideas of chord qualities of where you're going. But we So we went trumpet to ear training, and now if we're going to go the other way, which is ear training to trumpet, I mean, Brian talks a lot about this, and I've used it too, this idea that audiating something, to be able to look at something and have an immediate auditory, you know, image for what that's going to be that's great practice to do that that's how ear training makes your trumpet playing better you know by being able to do that yeah that's that's supposed to be the goal yeah right so joey doesn't believe in that it's i didn't say i don't believe in it. i said it's not what i do it's not the same thing (laughs) but but you but you look at something and you see the way it sounds i mean I guess you you can look down at a score while someone's playing and know that it's wrong because you see what's there and you see what it's supposed to sound like. Well, sure, I I'm very good at telling people they're wrong. Right, so that part's <laughs> easy. For you. Well, that's really all audio. It's natural. Is. Just think but, of it like that. <laughs> but when I like when I'm taking a breath, I am not uh, hearing the pitch I'm about to play. You're feeling it. I think you are. See, this is this is the great part. <laughs> this is where I I just had. Uh, 
there's a, a guy here in town who's a, been a professional trouble player and he's retired. And so he said, hey, man, can I just come by and grab a lesson? I said, of course. I said, so what do you want to work on? He's talking and he said, so, and he wanted to talk. He said, I've been heard before, like about my tongue, that that might be a worry. And I said, let me tell you everything I know about the tongue and trumpet. Okay. The tongue is inside your mouth and we use it when we're playing the trumpet. You know, like <laughs> other than that, I, I'm not convinced that what I'm doing is necessarily what you're doing. And I am convinced that there are lots of different ways that people use this. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh. So it's not just like, you know, arch your tongue or flatten your tongue. I said, I can tell you how I conceive of it and I can tell you what I think is happening, but I'm not necessarily saying that's exactly what should happen for you. But so many trouble players, we think, well, that, but that's the way it works for me. So that must be the way it works. And I'm not sure that's, you know, those things, those things are universal. So what you're saying is that every time that you see an A above the staff, and I'm picking this note very intentionally because it's a, it's a shooting match out there, Mike. You know what I'm saying, and I'm out. <laughs> oh out. It's a it's a guessing game out there, Mike. And I'm out. <laughs> anyway, a above the staff. You what you're telling us is that you are literally surprised every time you play that note and the right sound comes out. No, I'm never you, surprised. I'm surprised. No, surprised. no, no, you're never surprised because you hear it in your head ahead of time. No, because here's the thing: whether this is the he difference, feels it in his lip. Is that, what? A, now, when you say an A on top of the staff, am I playing that on B flat trumpet, C trumpet, E flat trumpet? Yes. It doesn't matter. You're it, never. Surprised. I agree. It doesn't matter because I, I think I know what that feels like, but I don't necessarily like. If you said, "Okay, before you play that note, you have to sing it," I'm not going to be right, but I'm going to put that note dead center. I think you. I think you're going to be right. We're going to do some blind experiments next time we're all together because I'm not. I can't no. sing those notes, but I can play them. I went from for the first few years of knowing you, assuming you had perfect pitch. That's how right you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bro, right. Tell me I'm crazy. On yeah, this. it's You're like crazy. robotic. Yeah. No. no. Angular stuff. It doesn't matter. Your ears no harmonic you content. Yep. You're never surprised. Leaping you know around. what's coming out. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised because I think I know what I'm doing and I'm overconfident. Uh, that's different. <laughs> you're, just, you're just saying it wrong. That's you know, different than audiation. Okay, then, no, but yeah. what I'm saying is next time we're together, let's right. do this. Let's say, okay, we're going to be completely no pitch reference at all. Right. You're going to put something in front of me and I'm going ha- to try and sing the first note before I play it. And we'll see if I'm ever successful. All right, I'll do this game with you if you have the appropriate trumpet in your hand when you start singing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can you can pick the piece and the and the horns. Mm-hmm. Now, as long as that's even if you now, don't play the horn, yeah, just have the E flat trumpet in your hand. Yeah, look at a G on top of the staff, sing and then say it. sing that pitch. And I will honestly try my best, and you'll nail it. I don't think so. I think you will. All right, we're gonna try this out. We're that's gonna a do WTF this. retreat. We should film this. No, this is an episode. <laughs> Yeah, we can yeah, do that. Right, I'm saying. Yeah, I like it in person better, but not stuff we already know. Because I do, I have found as my years have gotten better over the years. Because, like I said, when I got to college, that was a definite weakness for me, and they've definitely gotten mm-hmm. better. This is what we do: we try and get mm-hmm. better, better, better. That there are, like, if it's something I've played an awful lot, if mm-hmm. I say what's the first note, I can guess right or be pretty close. Right. But yeah. if it's something I haven't played, not so when much. I, what I think I'm saying is that you can hear regardless. Oh, wow. Wow. That's it. <laughs> Podcast is over. I'm canceling the whole thing. That's I'm calling it. Get pack, out now. Pack it all up. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Okay, moving on. Moving on. I think on. we've covered ear training beautifully. Yes. We definitely we fixed everybody's ear training problems. This week are just going to sit in their practice rooms, pick up a different trumpet, and so try to sing the right note that yeah. they're going to play. Yeah, please send us videos.
<laughs> the WTF the TikTok challenge. <laughs> wow. I think we should call it the Arbin challenge as long as no uh, one plays Arbin. Yeah, exactly. Not Arbin's Perfect. Not and Perfect. we're back. Let's move on to history just to get it over with. Yeah. Um, history is over with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. That's so Very good. good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm nice. here all week. <laughs> Till the next episode comes out. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've got an instrument with in- incredible history, right? Right. There's no reason why you can't put those things together in order to help you remember facts and what's going on. But not, this doesn't even just have to be trumpet. And now, to, you know, to be fair, right. to be fair, to be to be fair, fair. Uh, when I was learning all the music history stuff, a lot is learning rep and lit and composers. And, you know, I, I do sort of lean into what did they write for trumpet, you know, and, and that can be helpful. But if you really want to learn old music that, you know, that doesn't even have trumpet, you know, I remember uh, my first music history class where they were doing like, you know, chant and all of these kinds of studies. Now, I took Latin in high school, so that helped an awful lot. I memorized the words. But <laughs> you can. I'm pull... pretty sure other trumpet players didn't do that. Well, they didn't take Latin. It really did pay off. Um, <laughs> but if you're doing drop the needle tests and you know, what, know what they're saying, say that. it yeah. totally helps. Uh, I know what part of the mass this is. This is going to be good work. So, <laughs> but you can also play along. Everybody else is like, how is this helping me? Yeah, but you can play along with those sorts of things. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at this old music, like, how am I going to remember the, uh, you know how we remember melodies? If you play them, you remember them better than yeah. just if you're looking at scores. So if you're looking at scores and you're looking at all of these things that, you know, these Renaissance motets and thinking, yeah. how am I ever going to keep this stuff straight? Play them. Play yeah. them. Or make up text. Which is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> of course, you would make up for. It. See, there's a difference between you and me. That's I right. memorize what's there, and you make something put over the top of it. There has never been anything that quantifies the difference between the two of us better than that. That's perfect. Yeah. Why yeah. not? But That's yeah, play funny. play through those things, and, and you know when you're studying, you know, big giant orchestra scores, and you know, especially if you're doing things that don't have an awful lot of trumpet, how am I ever going to remember this? Find the melodies, find the motives, find those sorts of things, play them. Play along with it. Play, yeah, play like them, it. play them, play them. And then guess what? That sticks in your head. Then when you hear it, you're like, oh, I played that. I know what that is. That's mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I think I've told you. I mean, knowing those tunes and knowing those melodies is great. I told you our, our music history teacher in undergrad school used to have a brand X on all the listening exams. In other words, a piece that didn't belong, that you didn't listen to. And if you knew that it wasn't part of the test, well, that was as much as knowing that it was part of the test. Right. Right. Totally. Right. So I like um, it. our good friend Roy Mitchell, who's written for the group every yeah. week as a jazz studies major, wouldn't bother listening and write Brand X down five times knowing he would get one thing right. Ensuring <laughs> <laughs> a 20%. Ensuring a 20% on all the quizzes. Wow. Um, but one week, Roy got the highest grade in the class <gasps> because eventually the cycle hit and there were five Brand X. <laughs> oh, that's test. beautiful. <laughs> He played, he doubled down long enough. <laughs> and it paid off. And it paid off. Yeah. Wow. Let me just, for those of you who may be gambling, don't do this. Don't do not Do not go to Vegas. And oh, do it's not, great. Do, do not play roulette. It's yeah. a bad idea. Good for him. Oh, that's Brand hysterical. X. Yeah. Yeah, great story. I love it. But we do have, like I said, we do have an instrument with a rich history, and you can use that to tie into things. But again, you playing, you might as well play, right? You have a score in front of you. You can see what it is. And Joey's right. You remember what you play. 
And you put the new information into that scaffolding that you have built up because with your knowledge of the history of the instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then the more interesting the trumpet parts, then it's sometimes, you know, I picked out stuff just based on, oh, trumpets are here. Oh, yeah. That's this. (laughs) Right. And you just know the trumpet parts. What a great party trick to be able to play the bassoon solo from Rite of Spring on your flugelhorn. Absolutely. Because you know it. Yeah. 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 And you can always mess with your friends. I used to do this in, in big bands when... Uh, usually at the back, if I'm standing, you know, you can see the lead alto part. And so when alto players would, you know, there was one I used to work with who used to kind of complain, oh, if we're reading on a gig that this is fast or this is hard. And so from the back, I would just read his parts <laughs> and say, Jeez. I don't know, it doesn't look that bad. <laughs> but wow. if you just know your orchestral <laughs> excerpts and not your trumpet excerpts, right? If you know your bassoon excerpts, you know your mm-hmm. violin solos, you know your you know, oboe solos here or horn solo here. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember uh, the first time I played New World Symphony and we had the cue of the horn solo is in the first trumpet part. Yeah. I thought, boy, that's cool. So I was I was playing. Like, that's, <laughs> that's so cool. Why would you not want to learn that stuff? Why would you not want to be able to play no. that? It comes no. in very handy. I just remind me of a somewhat related happy moment. You know, I just went and subbed with Altoona Symphony. And we did this chamber music stuff. And my good friend Jason Warsbitz playing bassoon. Jason's a phenomenal player. And he's just right in front of me. And I so I know he can hear me, but he's sitting around a bunch of other woodwind players I don't know. And so there's a little bit of a break in the action. And he always sounds amazing. And I leaned up and I'm like, Jason, you sound great. I cannot wait to hear that tomorrow on your good read. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> and of course, he laughed. And there was a bunch of other people like, who is this guy? What's, what's going on back there? Who is this Bill guy is what they were saying. Who is this I Bill guy? Saying, okay. Yeah. Who is this Bill guy? Who is this Bill guy? <laughs> Oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. <laughs> he loved it. All right. Uh, that should cover history, and let's be happy to move on from that. How about theory? Can we go to theory? Oh. Is it theory? Yeah. I, I, I know I'm basically saying the same thing every time, but I think this is where if you're doing your theory homework and you don't have your horn out, you're just doing it wrong. Yes. Yeah. And I will tell you, as someone who, the theory always made a little sense to me because it's kind of the math of, of music. So uh, <laughs> once, I, once I got to that class, I'm like, oh, okay, there are names for these things. And, and now that's what these are, and I know what they are. But boy, you know, there are plenty of people who sort of learn the academic part of it as, apart from the musical uh, thing. I will say one of the things I argued my theory professors about is uh, a, a one chord and second inversion, right, when we're learning mm-hmm. figured bass. How, how did you learn to notate that? One six, no, Second that's first version. inversion. One, one six four, sorry. one six four. Right yeah. now at Eastman, at the time I was there, they called that a five six four chord, and I argued the first day, and oh. I said, "Hold on, that's not a five six four chord." And they said, "Well, it's it's a it's a chord in its second inversion, and it's functioning as five, so that's it's the reason." I wanted function. to show the function. I said, right. "Okay, what other figured base do we show function on?" And they're like, well, uh. "We don't." And I said, "And this is a one chord in second inversion, not a five chord in second inversion." And they're like, "Right, but you have to call it five six four now." But the uh, and it drove me nuts. It still drives me nuts, as you can see, forty years later, still yeah, no one me does angry. that. Who does that? Eastman at the time did that, but the idea of that's funny of knowing the function of how that works is important. And if you play it, then you can hear. Oh, oh, yeah, that might they go. be a one right. chord and second inversion, but it's really functioning as a dominant. And if you play through it, you can hear that. You can really see it's leaning you to one, even though it is one. Right. I like it. That but becomes really important. But it's still one. I, oh, I, it I a, agree. It has, does have a dominant function, but it's one. But it, I agree. I, I made this argument, and, and I was, you know, 19, arguing with doctoral students, <laughs> students and tenured professors in music theory at Eastman School of Music. And they're like, yeah, you're wrong about this. Overruled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's uh, what we need. We need an overruled button. 
I, I would have to have overrule. that. <laughs> so I'm keeping yeah. that. No, you might need to be an operation that. of that. But right, uh, again, you want to play through these things. You know, when you're learning how these things, how music works, right. you also need to know what it sounds like so that you can put those two things together. And yeah. I think the way theory is taught, uh, was taught, and in still in a lot of ways is taught, is purely in the academic side of it. So you, then you're like, well, this is what this is, this is what this is, is what this, which is good information, but it is not useful information until you understand how it sounds. Right. Yeah. And this is where I think, you know, we still do it here this way, and I know other places mix it, but, uh, you know, theory is a class, ear training is a class. <laughs> you know, we try to bring those together so they're moving at the same pace, but let's drop back to some of the really fundamental things like scales, scales in thirds, scales in fourths, mm -hmm. right? Understanding and knowing the basics of your key signatures. Joe, you've talked about this in your teaching where you have to know, you. they come in and play their scales until they know their scales, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, this is fundamental. Yeah. But the the um, theory part of this, knowing yeah, scales, then modes. And I think modes is one of my pet peeves in theory. A lot of places are still teaching modes as how they relate to the major or minor scale, which is an interesting and, and abstract way of going. Mm -hmm. So they think, mm -hmm. well, Dorian is, well, it's really a major scale starting from two to two. Yeah, two to two, and, right. And Ferchine yeah. is really a major scale from three to three. And right. I'm like, well, yeah, that's literally true, but... If you're actually playing and you want to actually be playing in, for example, E Phrygian, I do not want you thinking, okay, I'm really playing in C majors, but just from E to E. I want you thinking, what is the sound of Phrygian? That half step right. from one to two is important. So I want you to practice all 12 Phrygian modes and until that sounds normal to you. Right. So right. you're not really point. thinking. So, you know, and, and so when you're learning these modes, you really have to make that sound in your head, make it that, I believe that sound to be this. So you're not just doing a math problem of, well, yeah, but it's really just a you know, major scale from here to here. Right, and, and all this to say, again, you're good at the trumpet as a trumpet player. Tr try to sit down and do that at the piano could be really counterproductive and a lot slower. It, it like could really, yeah, you, you, you could just lock yourself up in two different And yeah. distracting, very distracting. Oh, just my do, gosh. Just yeah. do it on the trumpet. Do it on the trumpet. And then and then think about this, too, practicing arpeggios um, so that you're more readily, you know, you can uh, you can identify them more quickly in analysis. But then clefs, too, right? Mm -hmm. Practicing playing stuff in other clefs as you're working on analysis. You're going to need all that anyway and have the ability to do that by playing piccolo and C trumpet and all those things. So, Yeah, and... Let's take a just a quick side trip to clefs because I I think we always default to you know uh, mm -hmm. treble clef bass clef alto clef and tenor clef are worth spending a little time in mm -hmm. it, it, because you can think of them kind of like a transposition with key signatures if you want but it's worth knowing how those things work because you know at some point it's just going to pop up rear its ugly head and have you go oh crap I have seen uh, alto clef in big band charts for trombones. Oh, wow. Yeah, sure. Because they just don't want to write all the ledger lines. Yeah, sure. Right? Or you might be somewhere where, hey, there's a viola part. Can you cover this? Mm. You know, if mm -hmm. you're playing. So you should know how those work. Do a little bit of homework there and figure out how they go. It's definitely coming up if you're a conductor, of course. And Well, you guys with the wagon. <laughs> Oh, the wagging. But yeah, the clefs are definitely worth uh, hopping into. There's, There used to be, if you open the beginning of the Caffarelli book, mm -hmm. uh, there essentially used to be two schools of transposition, and one of them is, seems to almost be gone. You know, there's the way I think most of us learn to transpose, which is sort of by interval. You know, yep. you move that interval and go. Right. But there was a, a whole school, and it's outlined in the Caffarelli book, of just change clefs. 
Right, which is, the that's still the way I teach and play C trumpet parts on the piccolo. I just read them in bass clef and add three flats. Sure. You know? But everything's going to end up in F anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Vivaldi, that's an E flat. Oh, it is, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, speaking of wagging, let's go on to our conducting courses. Oh, this is where I think it's really, uh, I'm out. really valuable. Right, you got you waggers can take it from here. <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna, Brian. Can you mute Joey from where you are? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just self muted. <laughs> but exactly. I think, yeah, I mean, this is where, um, you know, especially for the music ed- music educator, it all kind of comes together. You you have to have a vision for what you see in the score. You have to know what you want to do musically, and if you're not good at phrasing and and breathing and playing a line, you're it's going to be really difficult for you to teach that. Right. Uh, and so being able to un- understand how you would play yourself any part in the score is a really valuable, valuable thing. I had a student last week say you teach to your level of artistry. True. Right. So if, you know, she said, if I'm a bad musician on the trumpet, I'm going to have a really difficult time conveying some sense of musicianship to even the youngest players. Right. Because you don't have a concept of what is a beautiful sound yeah. or how it should be put together, yeah. this is this was Keith's thing about you know listening to recordings of great trumpet players every day. Because if not, you will start to sound like your students. <laughs> right? This is true. So, <laughs> so you know, I mean that that's we all gravitate to everything that's around us. Well, balance, intonation, transposition are all mm-hmm. skills that you bring into conducting that you get from playing the trumpet. Well, and you think about the technical challenges, too, things that you would look at as a player mm-hmm. and understand what you have to do technically, that's going to have an impact on tempos that you picked and time that you're going to spend in rehearsal. You know, But you have to look at it through the lens of your own musicianship, which is what I think we're saying across the board here, right? I mean, what's the right. best thing that you do as a trumpet player? Well, hopefully it's to play the trumpet, so why not use that to inform all this other stuff? Right. That does make sense. It makes a lot of sense, even for <laughs> us. And we often don't make sense, I think. We make a lot of sense. <laughs> We're making a lot of sense. We're we make a lot noticed. of nonsense is what we, we do. We do <laughs> that. Yeah. Really good at now, that. Now, Brian, Brian doesn't travel. And he's not around a lot of people. But Joey and I both have a, a similar experience here in recent weeks on the road, right? Hey, you're the, love the podcast. <laughs> the podcast I'm like, oh, person. Who, who are you? We thought we knew the eight people who were listening. <laughs> right. Uh, I, uh, at the end of the Steve Ali Big Band, we went, uh, I was over, I went uh, over to the bar, get myself a Diet Coke before I'm going to leave. And um, so people are leaving and this gentleman stops, comes over, he says, hey, I really enjoyed the show and hey, great job on the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, who is I don't, who is this person? So, These poor people yeah. wasting all this time. This is not I'm, a waste. This is a great investment of their time. <laughs> yeah. The NTC thing was funny. Do it. Say the opening. Yeah. Just say it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's great. All right, boys. Time for no offense. Look, thinking about your trumpet study as something separate from your overall music education is just, well, I mean, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Not only is it important, come on, it can make your life easier. So don't keep your studies in a silo. Let everything work together and use your trumpet whenever possible. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure this is still going on in in every music school across the country, people are thinking, I don't need this. I just want to go play. And so the idea of that it is all integrated, that the more you know about ear training, music history, music theory, the more you integrate that into your musicianship, the better you can be. 
So why would you eliminate the possibility of growth? It's just it's just absolutely doing it wrong. <laughs> now, absolutely but, but wrong. But the problem is, is because I think, which is what we're going after today, people think of it as separate. Right. They think of music history as separate from trumpet and music theory as separate from trumpet and ear training as separate from trumpet when, wow, get your horn out and make that part of it. Not only does it make it easier for you, it mm -hmm. actually exponentially speeds up your growth. Yeah. I'll tell you what is separate from trumpet. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. It's right. everything. It's, it's all everything. There. Exactly yeah. right. It's all there. Yeah. I'm thinking about it all the time. It's exactly right. Good work. Right. As Vince says, playing the trumpet is something to do between meals. Right. And how you many know. times do you have your horn right there in the restaurant? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> many times. Many, many times. Many times. All right, boys. Well, that should about do it for today. Stay tuned. Tell your friends and neighbors and do some cross training. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell. This broadcast not sanctioned by any other federation or force. Any resemblance to any federation of any type is overtly intentional. Removing stickers makes Brian happy. He has a problem. Hello, Paige. Jason Sullivan still knows a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. Professional trumpeters in a controlled environment what could possibly go wrong. The Clark Book. It goes to seven. West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Rich Hartsicker is the man. Thank you to our amazing staff, Brass Band Consultants. I'm a wagger, and he's a wagger. Brian's repair person, Anita Valve Job. Instrument Acquisitions, Phil McCase. Mouthpiece Tester, YZ Soflat. Survey Data Consultant, Jeffica Dubman, Pepper and String, LLC. Jazz Trumpet Provost, Nada Martin. Ear Training Specialist, Colin Response. And the Wellness Consultant, Oliver Bikes Are Fast. <laughs>